Welcome to the Art House Roadshow. My name is Hank, uh, one of your hosts here on this wonderful journey into art house movies. Um, this is our first podcast uh, where we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about who we are, our interest in movies and things like that. But before I do so, I would like for my uh, co-host here, um, the wonderful Kyle Myers, to come together and tell us a little bit about himself. Yeah, thanks, Hank. Yeah, my name is Kyle Myers, and I am a counselor therapist here at Mount Vernon Nazarene University and have been practicing as a counselor social worker for 15 years. Um, also married and raising a family, and, and in my uh, little bit of downtime, I typically come back to movies, watching movies, reading about movies, film criticism, and if I really get into something, maybe even writing about something. So, uh, But yeah, movies have been a huge part of my uh, just coming of age, and, and I'm a visual person. I struggle to... Um, to just hold information like most people are, but images really uh, speak to me and, and stick with me. And I love to, yeah, uh, break down an image and what it's expressing and what it's saying. So movies have a special place in terms of uh, helping me understand the universe the way that other people might understand it through information or reading. So it's been, it's been a real gift to me. That's awesome. I would definitely concur with all of that because movies for me have always been kind of an escape and visually processing things. And we both share uh, for our listeners uh, a love of a particular kind of movie, uh, more of the art house films, um, uh, independent films, that kind of stuff too. Uh, the the films we do love blockbusters, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I know Kyle and I've talked about going to Marvel movies and Star Wars flicks and things like that, but Absolutely. you know stuff off the beaten path. Um, and so the theme of this podcast will be on uh, kind of faith and mental health. Um, uh, Kyle already mentioned he's a mental health practitioner. I am a theologian and pastor. And so we're going to kind of dive into some of those themes together. Uh, but Kyle, what are some of your like favorite movies? They could be art house, big blockbuster. What are some of your favorite movies? You have to like pick three. They don't have to be exhaustive, but like if you had some favorite movies. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I actually approach it as we discussed previously, but more from the um, filter of directors. I tend to be drawn mm, to yeah. specific directors and their kind of approach. And there's something in movie history called the auteur theory, which is uh, sometimes controversial, giving so much credit just to the director when obviously there's a large group of people coming together to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, but I really enjoy the auteur, auteur theory and looking at directors like Alfred Hitchcock <clears throat> as yep. a classic, um, meshing of blockbuster thriller type of movies that also have art house qualities and, <clears throat> and really dig deep into faith and psychology and these other things, um, in the fifties and sixties. Um, also, Martin Scorsese, who is, you know, a uh, renowned Catholic himself and brings a lot of Catholicism into his movies and his images mm -hmm. as well. Um, and more recent, I would say Wes Anderson is somebody I continue to come back to and get a lot from. And um, Deborah Granick, mm -hmm. who is definitely more on the, you know, lesser known art house side, but her movies, uh, Winter's Bone and... Um, Leave No Trace have been very powerful experiences oh, for me wow, in the yeah. last decade. 
Leave No Trace. I actually just watched that. Um, and the the yeah. Winter's Bone is that's got Jennifer Lawrence. In that's it, right. Her like uh, kind of breakout movie, certainly before she became Jennifer Lawrence and Hunger Games. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's and right. All that. Yeah. Uh, I I I'm not going to go down this tangent too much, but I I love the story of the Hunger Games. I know that's probably not very sophisticated of me, <laughs> but I love that. Well, no, I cool. mean yeah. Definitely. Well, I, I also like I some of the movies I like. I really like um, Terrence Malick films. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know we've talked about this before off the podcast, but I do love those movies. Uh, the Hidden Life, I think, has to be one of my favorite. A Hidden Life has to be one of my favorite, um, not just Malick films, but yeah. films in general. But sure. I also really like, and I, I, I'm a sucker for a Marvel movie. And I, I like the early M. Night Shyamalan Um I know that people don't like this movie, but Lady in the Water has always been something I've really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but people hate that movie, and so um, I get it. You know, I get it. But <laughs> but yeah, we've got some cool interest things you yeah. can look forward to on the podcast uh, that Kyle and I have talked about. We'll kind of go through some of our favorite art house films for listeners who might be wondering, like, where do I start if I want to look at more kind of um, artistic, lesser known films that have a really good story and meaning. And we'll obviously draw out mental health and faith aspect stuff because there's some good stuff that. Um, is in each. I know that um, probably one on the horizon very quickly for us will be Annihilation. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> and, and Kyle has written about that, actually. Right, and yeah. so you can check that out online. Do you want to give a plug on where they can find that? Yeah, so I'm on Letterboxd, um, which is an, an app or a website which with, with uh, which you can kind of, you know uh, keep a catalog, running catalog of the movies you're watching and diary. Uh, when you watch something and you can obviously rate it or write about it. And so it's a really fun forum that is sort of social media like, but it doesn't have a feed and it doesn't have drama on it typically. So I really enjoy the the website, but yeah, you can find a number of my little writings or rants. Sometimes I call (laughs) them um, or just little comments, but yeah, so I'm definitely on there. And I do have a blog also called, cinematic elements that i do a little bit longer form or put you know have pictures on there and other things which i enjoy as well Mm, yeah Yeah. oh that's excellent yeah so check him out there if you like uh some of the feedback that he has he's definitely the the art house scholar of the two of us knows a lot more about film theory i'm very much just like a an armchair uh film critic and things like that but love it but we both love films and i think Mm -hmm. that's the thing that brings us together and the way that film can can be um healing um it can be meaningful to one's faith all this good stuff and not just like um films that and not films primarily i would say that are uh, directly engaged in in faith like they don't uh, we and i would assume uh i'm speaking for you correctly here kyle that the uh the finding of the faith elements in movies that don't directly say it mm-hmm. is, is kind of one of the most joyful things about it because mm-hmm. i mean and we maybe one day we'll we'll do that but we'll mm-hmm. start with this uh this art house stuff um before sure. we get into god is not dead um and right those films but <laughs> there's something to be said though I, you know piggybacking off of that though for the recent kind of hollywood attempts to recreate like in a form of a big lost big blockbuster film like a biblical story mm-hmm. like noah and exodus gods and kings you can even go back to the passion of the christ which was a huge thing absolutely um i think churches to this day still use <laughs> passion of the christ and, and around easter to talk about the the resurrection so there's some cool things we could probably talk about there but um, sure for for now we'll kind of stick to this any other things that you'd like to see happen in this podcast or you're hoping that will come out of it i, I don't want to speak for you no, it's okay, man. Yeah, I you know I'm up for uh, whatever, really. But certainly, in the past past decade, I've h- hosted a number of events 
called the Linton Film Series mm. uh, through Lent, where we uh, look at some historical films, some of them more well-known than others that really bring out, uh, focus on faith and suffering and just more difficult uh, things that we don't typically talk about through the year using Lent and, and just the theological uh, understanding of fasting and reducing and but also incorporating um, the you know Christ's journey and and the passion and death and resurrection and and all of those kind of things and so and a great <clears throat> one of the great films from the silent era the passion of Joan of Arc oh wow really yeah, yeah uh, by Carl Dreyer is mm. a quite phenomenal experience you wouldn't think so it being from the silent era but that's, oh yeah yeah an example of a film that we would look at and then yeah just kind of analyze and and do that so that can be uh, certainly a part of that. Yeah, that'd be a great thing for for Lent. A great film to do for Lent. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. I've actually I've never explored films from the silent area, so this would be a great uh, yeah for sure piece. Um, but anyway, just to kind of give you a taste of what our listener that is of what we're going to be doing here, uh, we just passed spooky season, as they say, um, and so uh, I know both Kyle and I really like horror movies of a certain kind. And recently, the new um, Halloween Kills movie just came out, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that that trilogy, just a little bit, but mostly emphasizing the first um, movie, the Halloween movie with Michael Myers. And for those of you who don't know, there's a lot of Michael Myers movies out there, <laughs> different, different trilogies. Absolutely. And I'm still, like, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe you know better than I do. I I struggled to keep track of them all because I know there's the trilogy that goes like, so you got the first Halloween and then Halloween two. Mm-hmm. And then the, technically the third Halloween movie has nothing to do with Michael Myers. That's right. That's right. And then the fourth one, Michael Myers comes back. Mm-hmm. The fifth one, there's like a, like a cult. Is that right? Like, and that's Maybe, what Paul yeah. Rudd. I want to yeah, say I haven't, I have not seen part five. The yet. curse, like the curse of Michael Myers, I believe is that's what right. it's called. Um, yeah, and then obviously they reboot it with um, I forget what the, which one it is. Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah, on H two O. I that, think, yeah, yeah, in the late nineties. I mean, I, there might have been one before that, but then they they had their big reboot with um, a couple of films with Jamie Lee Curtis again in the late nineties or early two thousands. Then you have the Rob Zombie, yeah, yeah. Uh, one and two. Uh huh. <laughs> That's and, a unique uh, unique uh, uh, taste for Rob Zombie movies. Yeah, for sure, absolutely, and. And then we have our current reboot by David Gordon Green. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I really like the the sequel, the the Halloween two thousand, I think eighteen. I really mm-hmm. liked that sequel. I thought it really captured a lot of what I felt when I watched the first Halloween movie. Right um, now, granted, it's kind of a shot for shot, almost remake of the first one. Um, well, yeah, in some ways, and and again, the it's a sequel basically. In twenty eighteen, the reboot was not rebooting the franchise, but uh, casting out all the previous sequels mm-hmm. and saying this is, you know, the first sequel to the 1978 mm-hmm. Halloween 40 years later, basically. So it does definitely go back into some of that first film territory, but also is kind of looking at, like, what's Laurie's life, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, what's Laurie's life looked like over the past 40 years after going through this trauma? Right, yeah, so without ever having the kind of confrontation that she has with Michael Myers in H2O. It's um, a, a direct sequel with uh, quite a number of years in between. 
Um, but just kind of dive into some of the big theme elements. And we can talk about the Halloween Kills, too, because there's a planned another one that's coming out. Halloween Ends, I think, is the name of it. Yeah, that's right. Um, that should be coming out in the next couple of years where this, this um, I guess, quadrilogy, by the time we get through that one, um, starting with the original one in the 70s, the 2018 reboot, and then the 2021 that's right. movie, and then this one will come out in the next couple of years. Um, but just kind of some of the themes with that first film, at least, and then maybe we can add some of this other mm-hmm. stuff. There's a sense in which there's this... Um, I, I don't know if you feel this way. This is more of a mental health question. So um, <laughs> a sense in which there's there's some stigmas around mental health that... Uh, and I may, maybe it's more indicative of the time of like, you know, the ways that psychiatric wards and like the patients that are in there. Sure. Um, and I think I see that fully coming to the the fore in the most recent one. And I don't know, critics are kind of mixed on this. There's a scene in the Halloween Kills movie that just came out where um, uh, another one of the escaped kind mm-hmm. of mental patients, um, mm-hmm. along with Michael Myers, gets hunted down and mistaken for Michael Myers. And he actually jumps from a hospital window rather than be you know, mobbed by a crowd. Mm -hmm. But there's some very interesting themes with mental health weaved through this. So you've got the young Michael who uh, kills his older sister um, and then kind of the assumed mental focus that he has to endure all the pain that like he gets shot multiple times, you know, falls out of windows, gets, you know, his fingers shot off, that kind of stuff. But he's still able to have like superhuman like strength. But like, what do you make of some of that, uh, the mental health, um, elements that you see in the films, if, if anything, really. Yeah, for sure. No, I think the series tends to blur it in a way that, that takes away, you know, interpretation or, or in-depth analysis on the psychological level for Mm -hmm. the Michael Myers movies, because he becomes this as is, reaffirmed through a number of the initial sequels Mm -hmm. of him being this essence of pure evil. And they definitely talk about that in this. And I like in, in the 2018 Halloween, they kind of give a jab at the true crime podcast, you know, thing, which was huge, you know, then I'm sure it still is, but, um, but trying to understand Michael, that was part of the, you know, we, we want to understand him and his story um, and why he does what he does and whatever. But in it, Really, it continues just to perpetuate the idea that Michael is as much this evil <clears throat> being uh, who is supernatural in these ways where he really mm-hmm. can't be killed um, or burned to death or whatever. Yeah. He yeah. continues to come back. So it kind of <clears throat> defeats what you would see in Hitchcock film where it goes really Freudian. Mm. Um, and is really trying to extract the, you know, mother, son, you know, mm-hmm. and get into ego and get into all these different things where um, Halloween is happy to kind of shortcut some of those things just to have an evil being who is a slasher or something to be afraid of. And then really um, integrates more of a theme uh, that's classic of horror for the most part of chaos uh, entering into your like normal world neighborhood, small town, suburb, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> where things are mundane or, you know, a, a theme of the early films, it's, it's teenagers um, struggling through life or being bored or whatever. But this, you know, this chaos coming in, the screen movies definitely play on that any slasher movie. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and what, what, how, how people respond to that and what to do and what that means. And that has its own, uh, probably more theological qualifications, you know, in its in its own way. 
Yeah, I, I mean, this is just kind of, I guess, like picking through the story a bit. Um, because I love that how you pulled out, well, not only the Hitchcock piece, like who's, I, I have often wonder what it would have been like to have Hitchcock around during this time mm-hmm. um, to do uh, like horror movies with all of the effects and even just practical effects mm-hmm. that weren't available to him. The sure. cameras, the quality, that kind of thing. Because he's such a genius with this kind of stuff. The first horror movie I ever watched was Birds, mm-hmm. um, and that just is to this day like holds up as one of those just, like creeping foreboding. Something like I would compare to like The Witch, which is like an I think an A twenty four film, mm-hmm. like that kind of like that yeah. deep foreboding and dread. Because that for me is true horror when it's just like this, um, this kind of like dread that kind of exists through a movie, and you get that with the good like Halloween movies. Um, and the thing I really like about the the current kind of trilogy with maybe some exceptions of what just happened in Halloween kills is that they really go back to that idea of like Michael Myers is just a guy. Um, and for some reason I find that much more helpful. Like, you know, like a, a scream has this very fallible, um, ghost face character yep. who gets beat up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that this is a human, you know, but you have like this, I, I loved what they said in the, the 2018 sequel that he just has this hyper focus around Laurie Strode, which, you know, makes sense of why he's able to, just endure and like go on these massive killing streaks and Mm. get shot and all that stuff. I I find that really convincing, but the theological element that most jumps out to me is this idea of like what, um, like evil, like you said, what do we mean by pure evil? Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, there's this sense in like, I I don't know if you feel this way too. You never get to see really Michael's face. You get kind of glimpses of it in the first, um, episode or first, uh, movie. You see it a little bit in the 2018 sequel. You see a little bit more of it in, um, uh in the halloween kills um but he's always like his power almost comes from this mask right um in some in some sense like to give evil the face is to kind of like rob it of its power um but Mm. like like there's that scene where he's kind of surrounded by the people from the town haddonfield and uh he puts his mask on as like a moment of like kind of coming to grips with his own power but like what do we do with evil how do we name it um you know the classic theological definition of evil is it's the absence of good um and you kind of see that with like michael uh, some of the other i i think um movies try and go back and talk about his childhood so i think like the rob zombie movies actually do that they try and actually set up the fact that michael had a really bad childhood but you don't really get that in the in the john carpenter movies like right. it just doesn't really um it doesn't really show up I, I i don't know what rob zombie's motivations for that were but that in the sense that john carpenter is kind of playing into that well we don't know what motivates him other than the fact he just wants to kill laurie strode mm-hmm. um and obviously halloween 2 the original sequel to the the john carpenter movie you find out that laurie strode is his sister right but that's removed like we still don't know why michael did what he did and sure there's something about that like evil is just kind of this stalking non like like nothing positive um uh presence in the community and you see that kind of in the way that dr um wow i'm blanking on his name the original doctor from the yeah i'm blanking on his name too uh, yeah well that's unfortunate because they did a great job i will say this for the practical effects team they did a great job um with his uh like with cgiing him into the film like I felt like that was a very believable. It was um, very believable. I almost thought, yeah, it was some other actor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, like I, he he calls him pure evil for that reason. There is no good in him, and I think that's really interesting. Um, it's a negative thing for the theological tradition, but um, you see it very much in a person. Did you find out who the sure, person? Yeah, Loomis. Loomis. Dr. Yes. Loomis. Doctor Loomis. Yeah. 
So, uh, that, yeah, that's, I, I feel very bad. Sorry for those out there who are the diehard Halloween fans. We apologize for missing that, but <laughs> yeah, there's just, right. there's so much great stuff in, in these films. I just love the foreboding. I love the teen angst. I don't know why, uh, the chaos that you talked about. Yeah. So great. Yeah. But what would you, I mean, if you had to, I mean, maybe, and maybe it's one of the original, um, the trilogies too. Um, wh- what would you say is your favorite, um, like Halloween theme or maybe movie or like what, what's kind of something from there that really jumps out to you? Like, this is like, this is great. Well, I mean, certainly the very first one, which, you know, nobody has ever really recovered John Carpenter's ability to, like you were saying, the kind of foreboding, mm-hmm. um, but just the, the visual of the neighborhood of Michael showing up in the neighborhood in the daytime with mm-hmm. his mask on um, I always remember him showing up amidst the, the sheets drying in the wind. Right, yeah. Um, and, and, and with, you know, 2018, you know, Michael, again, he's, he's jumping back into the game. So he's just walking around a neighborhood killing people and you don't get that effect of like, you know, him stalking the way that you do in the first one. But Carpenter is, you know, it's been for a long time you know, the first two or three decades of his existence was really underrated director in terms of his compositions and his approach to filmmaking as an auteur of his own. Really. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, later and more recently has been very appreciated, but yeah, there's something about that. And, um, John Carpenter has created the film score mm. for Halloween, which oh, is, that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, unlike one of the downsides about, recent blockbusters and Marvel films and whatever is that they have a very bland kind of score. You don't get, right. you know, the classic, um, John Williams and, and Lord of the Rings and that kind of stuff. That's oh, very yeah. memorable, right? Memorable. And so, uh, the John Carpenter score that he has continued, even when he wasn't directing, doing a lot of the music, improving on that in the recent 2018 and, and the, the new sequel Halloween kills he's mm. doing the music for those also. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think, yeah, I just love the uh, the atmosphere of the first movie. And even in the first sequel in 1980, it's all mostly inside of a hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's dark, and it's, you know, um, it works to express what's happening in the movie and what's mm-hmm. happening with Laurie, the character, and, and some of that. But, yeah, yeah you already lose, you know, what, uh, what was so brilliant about the first one. Yeah, and I mean, you're absolutely right. I think you named it perfectly. The ability to get his the stalking of him, like that terror, mm-hmm. because you can like actually see him there. Um, I mean, this in some sense, like the original Friday the Thirteenth was. That's why it was that one was so good for me before even Jason was around. Mm-hmm, right. You know, like that was incredible, or even matched like with the in some sense the Nightmare on Elm Street. That's more of like a, a slasher film because it's this. Uh, sleeping you know like that piece but i yeah Yeah. that that element of um him kind of going through that neighborhood in the daylight i think is is such a huge thing Mm -hmm. i I think you're absolutely right i i do love that the thing that the thing the piece that does get captured for me in the 2018 sequel is just the idea that like him being out there so like there's the scene with um the guy uh, i forget his name he's one of the see this is a bad day for character names but um (laughs) Uh, Lori Strode's granddaughter is walking back from the dance with a friend right. after her boyfriend at the time was caught kind of cheating on her and stuff like that. And then he kind of strikes out himself, the friend does. Um, and he's kind of left in there narrating a conversation between him and 
Michael Myers, not knowing who Michael Myers is. Sure. Um, and I, I just love that kind of sense of foreboding with the lights. They go on and off. Absolutely. And I, yeah. I thought that was a really cool scene, um, which again, restored my hopes. I, and not, maybe you can, maybe you feel differently. I did not like Halloween kills as much as I liked the, the sequel. Um, yeah. So I, I thought that like, again, I like the idea of him just being a normal guy. And this one, they kind of ended with this idea that he's, supernatural sure the thing i did like was the hysteria piece i was afraid that they were going to go into the idea of like we're all michael myers now and they were actually going to kill him off and then do some weird kind of thing without michael myers Mm. which i don't think there's halloween without michael myers but maybe maybe that's what they're they're going for so that idea that mass hysteria i think is so like such a good social commentary at least yeah it feels out of place in the film but nonetheless it, it tells i think an important story um yeah in terms of the mob coming together and they yeah so they brought back the children from the original movie these characters who uh one of them in particular um basically forms a mob to go out and Mm -hmm. find michael myers because the cops are not doing a great job and um anyways they're tired of michael you know, uh, bringing terror, terror to their town. Mm-hmm. Um, and Laurie is in the hospital. And so the mob forms around that space and it's all kinds of chaos, but yeah, mm-hmm. you do have to contend with, um, that kind of mob mentality and, and they show, you know, the, how easy it is to, you know, misplace that energy and have a harmful impact on an innocent person. Mm-hmm. So that itself obviously brings up, you know, a lot of images and media images and, and cultural commentary. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that's, that's the strength of the film, I think for me. Um, mm-hmm. But the, I, I don't know, there's something I think missing uh, when you, cause that's where I think the uh, original series of films went off base was the, that they made Michael Myers to be more, like of a supernatural kind of threat. Um, Cause I, I just like the idea of that, but that's maybe just me. There, there is something that's though, that is I think helpful in what you talk about that supernatural element as it relates to a mob. Um, and the bringing mm. back of those original characters I thought was really interesting, especially the original like police captain and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so that, I think that's, that's, that's a good place to kind of stop. Um, and I think here uh just like listen, I guess, really to the the core themes of this movie as being a good horror movie um, with its with all of its like really great things, but also just some minor things that maybe you maybe you disagree with us. Maybe you love Halloween Kills more than the other three, but um, uh, that mob piece I think is the one that sticks with me. Well, uh, that's probably gonna do it uh, for us tonight. Any final thoughts, uh, Kyle? As we kind of wrap up here. Yeah, no, this has been great. I would say, um, yeah, check those movies out. I'd love to continue the conversation for any listeners who are on campus and and around or online on Letterboxd. It'd be great to connect and and hear from you as well. So I love love my favorite part of – one of my favorite parts of film is certainly talking about it and having the conversation and and digging deeper. So Mm -hmm. it's great. Yeah, we will eventually have probably some type of social media and email access. And so if you have questions, save them. And and for our next episode, we will have a a Gmail account up and probably some social media. So you can drop us some questions, agree or disagree with our interpretation. Maybe there's some stuff we missed. I don't know. Um, But until next time, we'll probably, uh, heading into the Christmas season, try and find a a Christmas movie that we can, Mm -hmm. or uh, the dreaded uh, movie that happens during Christmas. Uh, that we can discuss uh, as we move into our um, our panel of shows. But yeah, if you got questions, reach out to us. We'd love to talk about them on the show. And 
until then, everyone uh, stay well and 